welcome to Radio TFS, episode number 86. Hi, this is Martin Woodward. And this is Greg Duncan. Hey, Greg, how's things? Good, Martin. How about you, man? Yeah, been busy. We've uh, done a whole bunch more releasing uh, since the last show. And we, you know, the gaps between those two shows wasn't as long as the gaps between the previous two, hopefully. <laughs> so, uh, you know, so that's pretty good. So we'll, we'll jump straight into it, eh? There's plenty of news. That sounds like um, a plan. Yeah, Aaron uh, blogged about the, the we've been doing quite a lot of improvements to the Kanban board. Do you use do you use the work item tracking stuff much or do you use mostly use version control? In, in, we are, in funny that you ask, uh, talking to the, our CTO just Wednesday and he's talking, you know, he's gotten sold on agile and being really agile and doing it for real. We've been such a small shop before, it didn't make a lot of sense, mm-hmm. uh, but we're going to the size where, you know, it, it does make sense now to start doing that. So uh, with the project that I'm on right now, we went through and, and work itemed everything, featured and tasked it, and you know built the whole hierarchy of features to features to tasks. And uh, we're not using the boards as of yet, but we're getting a position to. So Yeah, we've done quite a lot of improvements to those Kanban boards and things. So much so that I've actually, um, I turned to my left and my whiteboard is currently blank because I've, I've started trying to use the Kanban board as like, you know, my personal what I'm up to kind of work thing. <laughs> do you make your schedule. kids do work items and everything? I'm not quite as bad as David Starr. <laughs> But um, we should we should probably link to David's uh, <laughs> yeah. ad, you know, agile family stuff. Yeah. But no, I'm not quite that bad. But more, it, it's more just you know you have all you have all this context switching and things, and especially as a PM, you know you sort of you know one minute you're managing you know a product feature, and the next minute you're messing around with something in the open source space or whatever. It's but all, all the context switching is you you can or you, and you know. And you're supposed to put podcast episodes out there. It's quite easy to forget about stuff. And so, uh, yeah, I'm trying to, like, I'm experimenting with having, you know, doing it in, like, Kanban style and uh, just dragging stuff over just for me, see how it goes. But we've done a few improvements to, to make this a lot easier, um, especially when you're in that, like, that lightweight frame of mind, you know, where you just want to just want to dump some tasks on and move them around and keep the status of the date, just as if you're messing around with a whiteboard or sticky notes or whatever. So um, the first one was uh, that I quite like was the ability to, you know, make it, it was just it's got a lot easier to be able to add a new task from um, the, the task board and just move it in into the into your board, which is good. And then uh, you can customize the columns. You can actually edit those tasks really easily in line now, and not have to go in. You know, not have to open up the work app and save it and come back out again. You're just all there, so it's a, it's a lot more friction free. I've been really impressed with the improvements there. And then they've done some stuff for like the hard. I don't use this myself. Uh, but the hardcore sort of Kanban guys have a doing and done section in some of their columns and things. I, I just actually have a, you know, um, different columns kind of for different different places. So when I'm in email or when I'm uh, on the phone or when I'm, you know, when uh, North Carolina, who I work with, are awake or when Redmond are awake kind of thing. I've got different columns for those kind of things. So I can pick some tasks and, and kind of move through them there. So, no, it's, it's all good. They're making some excellent progress. So I've been really pleased with that. And then um, we we also shipped uh, CTV6 of Visual Studio 2015 and finally, the first CTP of uh, Team Foundation Server 2015. So, hey, was there anything... 
in the Visual Studio CTP that caught, caught your eye? The, what really actually kind of caught my eye was just the amount of stuff that they shipped in that first CDI. Mm-hmm. It, if you go to, we'll have the links in the show notes, the uh, release notes on it, and you just compare you know, the items released from CTP 5 versus 6, uh, it was a great deal of things. Um, I don't know if one thing jumped out at me or not. Uh, for the CTP six, I, I think the best part it was you know, the the top of the list, the UI debugging tools for XAML. Yeah, you know, seeing the live visual tree and the live property editor of that XAML. I do want to make sure that this works in WPF because that's the flavor of XAML I use every day. Uh, and there's third party extensions that do this today, but it, it'd be nice to see this baked into it. And I, I let me see, uh, that is a. Uh, it does look like it's WPF. As a matter of fact, the screenshot right below here shows mm-hmm. it in action, and that's definitely a WPF type app. So mm. that was cool. That was yeah, good. no, that's definitely good. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And we we like the stuff like the Android Android tools. You know, all that stuff's bundled in now and things. So it's so it's all interesting. I, I still want Microsoft to buy Xamarin. I just wish. Mm. You know, I just. Uh, Maybe th- that'll be my build bet. Like everybody thought it was going to happen last year. Maybe this year. Uh, I don't think so, but it would be yeah. nice. I, I quite like. I quite. Yeah. Well. Anyway, it's <laughs> you know. I can't comment. I quite like the fact that uh, what I do like is the fact that we have an independent voice in in like the .NET community. There's I think that, that's yeah. really healthy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so um, that's that, true. That, man. So and it, it, it's good at keeping us honest. You know. Right. So, um, but anyway, but well, you know, I, I'm not involved in any of that sort of stuff. So I don't okay, know. Okay, I it. would be just as happy as if bundled into like an MSDN subscription was a full-on Xamarin type of uh, benefit. Right, that okay. would work. It's basically, I, I have a hard time going out and you know saying we're going to do it for here and then add on additional when we're always buying all the Microsoft stuff. I think that's really the reason why I want them to buy it. It's not that I like having the two voices, but I, I want to be cheap, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> You want your cake and you want to eat it. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, and you don't want to pay for another cake. No, to just no. eat to just have one to look at. Yeah, I can't justify that to uh, my DFO, my domestic yeah, financial well, officer. Yeah. I'm happy you've justified MSDN. Don't get me wrong; <laughs> it keeps me going on my holidays, so I'm happy with that. So it's all good. So TFS 2015 CTP. Yeah. So basically, the way to think about that is, you know, Visual Studio Online right. as it is right now. That's Visual Studio 20, <laughs> 2015 CTP, but it's in, in on-prem. You know, it says all the goodness that you see there, really, apart from some of the stuff that's kind of, you know, in plan dates, all the codes there is just kind of switched off. But, you know, it, 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 it's, it's a cut of the, you know, the latest branch from VSO, really. Um, it, it was interesting in, in the 2013 time period, we stayed on the, like the, the, the the um our, what what do we call them I forget I keep forgetting the updates mm-hmm. kept coming up we're coming off the same branch that we were developing to quite late on right. but this time round for various reasons we had to kind of switch over to a different a different branch for for VSO sooner mm-hmm. than we did the previous time and so um you know so there's features which are in um vso which aren't aren't in you know uh, tfs 2013 latest update so uh, but tfs 2015 ctp is basically you know the same version that was on vso like a just you know beginning of the sprint really so it's 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 very 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 current um so uh, if we would love feedback from it 
uh, you know, from people testing it and kicking the tires. Um, yeah, we just have know, to remember, remind everybody that this is a CTP. Yep. It's not go it's live. Right. It's not go live. Live. I was. Yeah, it's not go live. Live. And so, you know, take a take a backup of the database and and uh, and go install it in a VM with the database on it. You know what I mean? And maybe kick the tires around. But it's not. It's not a. Uh, it's not yet the release that we would say, "Hey, go go upgrade to that." Instead of uh, TFS twenty thirteen updates, you know. So um, and it, it, it's stable enough because it's you know it's, we're using it and it's um it's in VSA it's the code that's running VSO but still you know it's we've got a way to go before we actually RTM that so hold on hold on for using in production but and, yeah we, some we, of the, it's funny the features that stand out to me when looking at the CTP. okay um the view history on a folder you know I looked at that huh. and was like oh yeah I, I I don't know why but there have been times when it's like I want to look at all the history in all in, in a given folder and. Yeah, that's go- That's here in this CTP. So it's, it's funny the yeah. little things. Yeah, yeah. No, it is. It is. But you know, it's lots of good, lots of lots of lots of little good things. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah, and the big ones. And like- then, if, but the interesting thing is, if you're trying to figure all this out, like you know, hey, there's a feature on VSO, and like which version of TFS is it in, kind of thing. Uh huh. If you go to, uh, we'll put a link in the show notes, but if you go to the the, uh, the VSO sort of features timeline, you can actually see the the different features and when they came in and which server version they're in and then which features are currently kind of in preview and aren't actually in a, aren't committed to a server yet because we're not, you know, we're not, not entirely finished kind of thing and, and all that sort of stuff. But it's good. And it's also good because you get to see like features under development and like links to the blog posts about them, you know, go, Go read about uh, TFS build VNets. Go read about you know the Kanban stuff and all those sorts of things. So um, yeah, it's it's all coming along. Yeah, that's um, that's a great page. That, that this came up in the MVP mailing list. Somebody was asking about a feature, and, and it came back in the list. Was like, uh, no, that was done in you know 2013 update four check out this release page and you can go back and look at it. It's like, yeah. Oh yeah. Shit, you're, uh, yeah. You're right. Yeah. No, it's, uh, it's good. Yeah. It's, um, it's, it's, uh, it's cause it's completely hard for me. You know, it's great for me because mm-hmm. <laughs> I can never remember like which, which public version did we ship that in again? It's all, you know, your brain gets so fuzzled. So, uh, yeah, it's all good stuff. And then, um, yeah. So any, anything else, you know, in terms of things you've seen around the CTP that may, may you want to give it a go? Well, um, Aaron, uh, Anthony Borton, Aaron. Oh yeah, friend of the show. Yep, he did a you know, how to install Visual uh, TFS 2013 CTP one video walkthrough in just under three minutes. So it's looks like it's click 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 click, which is you know I I love. Yeah, no, Anthony's great at that yeah. sort of thing. So. Yeah, definitely. There, 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 there you go. That's the perfect the bluffers guide, so you can sound knowledgeable to everybody else <laughs> in the office about what's coming up in TFS. Just go watch Anthony's three minute video. That's awesome. Oh, he's great, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Right. So speaking of uh, short videos to save time, <laughs> Susan Ibach, who is I, I don't know what it is with the they call it the Canadian Developer Connection on the MSDN blogs, um, but, yeah, but these awesome. Canadians have been blogging some great. Stuff. Stuff, these Canadians. Um, it's because he's so 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 cold. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm wondering where all the people from Massachusetts are on the blogs. You know, well, it's unusually cold for them, so they're frozen. You know, the Canadians oh, okay. are all like, yeah, yeah. "What are you guys whining about?" It's always yeah. The Massachusetts are busy panic buying bread and, <laughs> and beer. 
um, but she Benny does Rines, a, whatever the anyway. Sorry. Yep. Uh, no, no, no. It, 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 she does this uh, really nice under two minute video. She's asked. She gets the question, and anybody who is like an MVP or you know, y- if you're out at a at a conference, manning a booth or something, you know, they ask, "How can I suggest a feature? I want to add feature X, Y, and Z to Visual Studio." In two minutes, she shows you two ways how you can ask for and and give a feature request to the Visual Studio teams. Mm-hmm. So yeah, minute 55 seconds. And while you're there, make sure you check out the other Visual Studio time saver tips. Um, who? Oh, God. Um, uh, what's her first name? Ford. Sarah Ford. Sarah Ford. Duh. Uh, remember, she used to do those great tips, one every day. I miss those. Yeah, the Visual Studio tips. I mm-hmm. miss those. And she did the book as well. It's yep. brilliant. Um, Susan's kind of taking it on a little bit. She's got these video tips, and they're not every day, but she's doing a couple a month. That's uh, brilliant. And, oh, and just it it, it's, it's silly things like I don't know how many people don't know about Quick Launch in Visual yeah. Studio. You would think that that would be you know everybody would know it. I live with that thing now. But um, those kind of tips. Then they're all mm. on Channel Nine, one of my favorite sites. So. Uh, indeed indeed good stuff well greg we're about that time of the show absolutely gotta do the the shout out and the thank yous well we we, we definitely appreciate them uh, uh, uh adio 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 that's radio adio a the radio star <laughs> i was doing adio earlier today maybe that was it oh. um episode 86 of radio tfs is brought to you by SaaS made easy a leader in hosted tfs dedicated virtual servers and af AFS, TLM. <laughs> oh. See, I would, I would edit that, but I can't no, be bothered. No. So uh, let's, let's leave it in. AFS, TLM, and TFS and ALM. <laughs> Consulting. TLA. You, you can reach them at www.sasmadeeasy.com or via email at sales at S-A-A-S-M-A-D-E-E-A-S-Y.com. And now, thankfully, back to the show. And that's why they're such a proud sponsor of such a professional outfit. <laughs> you know, we are what we are. We are not, uh-huh. you know, teleprompter readers or anything else, man. <laughs> we are what we are and damn proud of it. Exactly. Cool. So, hey, uh, Beth Massey's been busy. She's got a sort of leading role over in the .NET Foundation. And, um, you know, she's been busy getting married and stuff like that. So, uh, but no, the .NET, um, open source, the .NET open source thing's been going well, hasn't it? It's yeah. been going from strength to strength. It's just unbelievable. And, you know, there's a big, uh, you know, the ASP.NET stuff. Anyway, uh, but Beth kind of um, gave an overview of, of .NET sort of 2015, um, you know, a 10,000-foot view of the .NET stack and things and all of um you know the major components and where the compiler fits in and this has been it's been handy for me because when i i've been talking with that team a lot lately and you know they mention all the different bits and different names and uh-huh. like blah 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 and i got i you know i'm a java guy i find <laughs> it quite hard and confusing sometimes so i actually quite like i actually quite like this blog post to be yeah. honest it was, it was very helpful for me how about you? Is it, is it all starting to sink in? This was actually a great blog post because it's mm-hmm. going to be in the next six months. You know, these terms are going to be really start throwing at it. They're going to be talked about a lot. And the, the difference of what is .NET 2015 
and, and, and what does that mean to .NET 4.5 and what does that mean to .NET 5? And, you know, the diagrams that she put together here or that are on the post um, are great because they do a, a, an outstanding job of showing where these things fit because, you know, this year we're going to have both. We're going to have .NET 4.6 and we're going to have .NET Core 5 and we're going to have all the new compilers, the Rosalind and, and, and all that stuff. Uh, and it's all going to be out at once. You know, and it's just hard to grok. So this was a post that I'm going to constantly refer back to. Uh, and she does a really nice job, little, you know, little circles. What's open source? We've talked about what's open source uh, for these. And she's marked them, what's open source now? You know, what part mm-hmm. of these are open source? Now, so I got excited. I was like, oh, that's cool. You know, this is a great post. That one screen summarizes what's in what is in what. Then I started reading, seeing some other posts. Uh, uh, Stephen Walther has a post about the top 10 changes in ASP.NET 5 and MVC 6. And, you know, I am, all of these changes are great. Let me first say that all of these are outstanding. Um, the .NET 5 stuff is perfect so far. Okay. It, you know, I, I don't want to be a naysayer on that. Um, I mm-hmm. would much rather this step happen than not, but. It's going to be really confusing for a lot of people. What is four six? What is five? Who plays in what area? Um, it's really going to bifurcate what frameworks people are using. The line of business developers, the WPF guys, your .NET four six. Don't really worry about .NET Core five. Um, don't worry about the Core CLR. Don't worry about .NET native right now. Uh, your WPF, your .NET four six. Okay. Focus there. Do you want to make a universal app, though? Are you going to put something on the phone, in the Windows Store, uh, maybe even see it on the Xbox, see it on the Raspberry Pi 2 that's running Windows 10 or other Windows 10 things? Then .NET 5 is what you're going to be interested in. Um, what I'm worried about is the two classes. It's like two you know, classes of citizens there. The line of business guys doing WPF, doing WinForms, doing ASP.NET, WebForms. Um, you know, you're, you're, you're going to be for six. The people doing the new, quote unquote, you know, exciting, going to be talked about a lot. You're going to be .NET 5. And that's going to, it, it, it kind of feels like, you know, Right or wrong, you know, four six will feel like you're older. It's like we're doing VB six stuff again. Um, you know, it, it's even though it's new and it's been updated, and we'll have all the legacy support. And everything will just work. Uh, four six is supposed to be like binary compatible with four dot five dot. You know, four dot five, four dot five one, four dot five two. So your stuff will just work. We'll still be able to take advantage of the new runtime components like RideJet, the new Roslyn compilers, all that good kind of stuff. We'll still be able to take advantage of four six. But you know, it'll be like we're on four six. We're not the cool kids on five. And you know, I. I, I I don't, I was thinking, I wonder if, you know, .NET Core 5 shouldn't have been almost given a different name. So you could have these two. Like Silverlight? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Um, but that's just it. You know, with 4.6, it's not being Silverlighted. You know, you, you, WPF has, has a strong and will be supported for years and years and years. Windows Forms, Web Forms are still going to be supported for years and years and years. But. By having a 4.6 and a 5, you have to wonder what is the lifetime for the 4.6 stuff. Maybe there'll be a 4.6.1 and, you know, next year and a 4.7 and a 4.8. 
or is it basically going to be mature like WPF has been feeling for a while and, and you know all the excitement and the effort and, and the push will be on the .NET 5 stuff. So it's not silver-lighted, but yeah, mature. And if, if they have core stuff, which actually is like you – it's funny that you say that because that's what kind of .NET Core – five stuff is didn't they take they learned that lesson from silverlight and kind of advanced well, it's, it's, it's all kind of well something it's, it's mostly kind of new and stuff but right. um it's a lot more modular mm-hmm. and it's all uh so rather than you know the right. framework right it's right. a lot more modular components since so you can have much lighter weight applications and things and bring over what you need and it's also the cross-platform capable stuff you know yep. so Getting ASP.NET to work on Linux and things is obviously pretty important. Um, getting Windows Forms to work on the Mac, mm, there's right. not there's not a huge amount of people crying out for that. Yeah, no, 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 no. I, t- I actually totally agree with that. And, and this having this break was important, but I, I'm just worried that if that – I would kind of wish that site had been given a different name, not .NET Core 5, but uh, .Universal dot cross-platform, you know, dot almost, you know, because it is a 1.0, even though it's based off of, you know, old framework, but they've ripped it all out, just like Windows team is doing, or the IE team is doing with IE11 and Spartan. Two different names, even though Spartan is using the Edge HTML DLL, which is a fork from the Trident DLL, but they forked it and they cleaned it all up and ripped it all out and didn't worry about all that backwards compatibility and focused on today. That's what's happening, what I see from my seat happening here. We've got the legacy stuff and it'll still be there and it'll still work. Um, and, and there'll still be people working on it. Yeah, just like this VBC. No, here in Microsoft as well. You know, there's still people. You know, there's still there's still incredibly uh, huge amount of investment going in on that. Right, know? right, right. And we and we saw that in just the latest Visual Studio CTP with the XAML enhancements. You know, there is love being given to WPF and to desktop apps. Um, mm-hmm. And then the .NET five stuff. It's almost like they should have named those separately. It, it's or or market them separately. Or I don't know. It's just. It feels weird. Uh, you're it, concerned or weirded. What, what is it? Are you worried or are you weirded or are you just confused or what? No, actually, after seeing Beth's post, I'm not confused anymore. I actually understand okay. what is in what. Um, yeah. I am, as a line of business developer, a little bit worried that I'm being VB6'd. That what is the time frame for that .NET 4.6 stack? What I need to see is, I, you know, you said that people are investing in it, and I believe people that Microsoft's investing in it. I need to see a four six one or a four six two. I need to see continued, maybe not major investment, but at least some investment in that stack. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, there's this is really bifurcating the development effort, the developers, and maybe that's probably a good thing. But there's going to be Desktop developers, universal app web developers, period. And that line is being drawn fairly clearly here. You know, so are you running the Windows 10 uh, preview? Yes, yeah, well? yeah, I'm running it in a VM on this notebook and uh, on a uh, bare metal on another box. Okay, how are you finding the um, obviously? You know, how are you finding new apps that are in there? Um, that you know. The, the new universal Windows apps. I like it, them. It, it, where you can have them in a window and I, move them around. I like them. On my, on my 8.1 machine, the notebook that we're talking on here now, um, I, I find that I'm really missing not being able to window 
my universal apps. And, and I think we've mentioned it before. With Windows 10, it's going to be a serious drive to do universal apps because they will look like, you know, just like any other app. You won't have that weird environmental switch between the two when you're on a desktop or, or a notebook or like device. Um, it'll make, it'll open up the uh, market for the universal apps a great deal. Mm-hmm. But for a line of business guys, and I still think that we are the silent, you know, 90%, uh, you know, I, I, I don't see me being, uh, me building for my users down the hall here in their cubes, a universal app, you know, because, and you know why? Because I can't talk directly to SQL Server. You know, all, every single one of my apps goes out and talks to a SQL Server directly. I mean, I just use ADO, like we were just talking about earlier. I just use ADO and I, I make the call and we get the data and I display the data and they do stuff with the data and we run other rules and we run other stuff and we poke it in other SQL servers and other file systems and, and just go out and, and do that stuff. The fact that with a universal app, I can't do that. Is it not also as well, you've got all that investment in the Windows form stuff, all the WPS stuff. You know, you, you can't just go... Not you know really. I mean? so not no, really. That's okay. not the problem because we still we're still we're small enough and we're still growing enough and, and you know we're still greenfielding. I'm working on a brand new app, uh, you know, an hour ago. Um, so if if I could talk directly to SQL Server, that'd be one thing. Also, I know this is getting better in Windows 10 for the stores for corporate um, building, you know, a, a private stores essentially. But deploying of a universal app is the other. Thing. Right now, we I actually build a program launcher application uh, where we give a menu of all the available apps from a database, and we pull it all down, and we unzip it, and you know we do all the updates, and then we launch it for the users, and we allow them to do updates and all that good kind of stuff. Um, you know, kind of like our own personal start menu. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we can't do that with the universal app. You know, the X copy deployment. I guess that's where I'm coming at. Right now, we are living and breathing X copy deployment, and it's just working great. Uh, mm-hmm. you, that doesn't work for the universal apps. And I'm not saying universal apps are bad. The whole idea about the containers and everything else and the device capabilities and the requirements, that's good stuff. But, and there's definitely a place for that. You know, I have to think about, I could create a universal app that runs on a, you know, zero inch device to 84 inch device. Um, I can leverage my XAML skills. You know, uh, that's great. But for the line of business, I'm not, seeing how that'll work i I, i'll be right now i I see me doing this in wpf you know i I don't see me creating a universal app for the line of business for the small companies to the 250 maybe a thousand person you know if you're big you know if you're microsoft if you're exxon if if you're like one of those big organizations oh yeah at&t i know at&t actually has some private apps in the windows store i've seen it before um that that kind of really totally makes sense. And you can have the teams to build the whole web service infrastructure. And I know everybody's out there, well, you're supposed to be building three tiers anyway. Why are you talking directly to the SQL server? It's because it's fast and we don't need the engineering. Why build it if we don't need it? Um, the major corporations do need it. You have that web services. You can build the universal app to talk to that. You have the infrastructure to, to work with Microsoft to build you that private corporate store. Uh, you know, for the that will for those guys, the line of business apps will be great, and you'll be able to leverage them across it. I'm worried about the small to medium sized businesses. Okay, 
Cool. <laughs> well, I've been thinking about this a little bit. I, I stressed about this the whole like train ride in today. It's like, oh, what am I going to do? The important thing, though, for everybody to understand is that, yeah, what you're doing today will still be supported tomorrow. Okay, and there uh, and be and uh, nine and a half years time from now. Exactly. As well. So it's not like it's going to be retired. Like I keep going back to VB six, just because I, you know, my first production app was in VB one, and I had a version of uh, production app in every version of Visual Basic. Um, mm-hmm. VB six is going to be supported on Windows ten. At least the runtime, not the IDE, but the runtime will be. So if that doesn't show you Microsoft's commitment, backwards compatibility for the developers, you know. Yeah. I don't know what yeah. it does. Yeah. All right. That's a rant. Hey, that's really, yeah, no, no, this is, this is actually fascinating for me. So I'm, 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 uh, it's good to, always good to talk about that sort of stuff. Um, okay. So um, Kirk Evans has been uh, blogging up a storm. I hadn't ran across Kirk much before, but uh, no, he's in a couple of great posts, particularly close to my heart. One of them was around using VSO, Git, and Eclipse. Um, and then, which we'll put in the show notes, but then the, the second one he did was actually um, around using the build controllers. And I'm amazed at how many people don't know this, but the all of the build controllers, you know, in our pool of build controllers, mm-hmm. have Java and Ant and Maven pre-installed on them. Hmm. So if you want to do a Java build, you can just that you do it by just doing a Java build, <laughs> and then it builds and in the, out in the cloud. You know, it's crazy. It just all works, and um, and this is even showing you how to do it. You know, you can obviously do it with TFVC uh, if you want to uh, use centralized version control, and it works great with Git as well the the key trick is to um create the build definition itself from eclipse um with team explorer everywhere installed and that 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 does you know it all it does the right thing tm um but once you've created the build definition or you configure it from there then obviously you can still manage the build from the web or manage the build from te you know it's all it's all there. Um, it, you can see the build results. You can see your JUnit test results. That's crazy. <laughs> if, you, if you run a Maven build, it picks your it run it pick. It, it's clever enough because Maven's like a convention over configuration kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So it, it can just look at the build and it goes, "All right, you've ran some unit tests. Right, I'll grab those results and pull them in and into the report and, and publish them and you know co-coverage and whatever. And then um, so you run, you see unit test results and then you can see past failures. And then the the demo I always like to do is then open that back up again in Visual Studio and show my JUnit test failures in the test results window inside VS. <laughs> that makes people go, huh? And you're like, this is what it means. Single source of the truth, you know? So, um, yeah, that's pretty... And you can even see, like, stack traces as well. It's just mad. So uh, I love that. But, yeah, thanks, Kurt, for blogging about that. I, it's one of the things I need to probably get out there and shout a bit more about, you know? And that's not even build v.next. That's build today. That's been in since build 2015. You know, wow. it's no, to, not 2015, sorry, 2005. I wrote that code. Ah. I personally wrote the code that makes that work back in... I did it in the 2008 timeframe, but I backported it in 2000, to 2005 just because, mm. you know, that's the kind of guy I am. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Um, well, actually, you no, know, that's the kind of money-grabbing guy I was back in the team prize days because we needed every... You know, we needed to make sure we got the maximum possible number of sales we could manage. So, yeah. But no, it's been around for a decade and like nobody knows about it. So Java people, you can do your builds in TFS, no problem uh, today. And you can build them for free in the cloud. And, you know, it's just brilliant. So go do it. That's awesome. So we've talked about, I think after the MVP summit, I, I, I 
went on and on about the PowerShell desired state configuration. Yeah, and I still don't really know, you know, I've, I've heard people talk about it. I still don't really know what that is or how to how to get going with it and things like that. That you need to watch this post. A uh, friend of the show, Brian Keller, talks with ah. Keith Bankston and Jeff Levinson. Uh, 17 ah, another friend of the show as well, former yeah. MVP. Yep. Uh, as a matter of fact, I hung out with him at uh, uh, Jeff at the MVP Summit, like one yeah, of the get-together things. Mm-hmm. Um, he goes through, they go through and they talk about what DSC is, what it means, uh, you know, how the artifacts help the developers, the whole deal. 17 minutes. There's links also in the show notes, and it's on Channel 9, my favorite, uh, one of my favorite sites. Funny that. <laughs> Indeed. Speaking of Channel 9, so uh, Jakob um, did, uh, did we, we'll put a link to show notes in about this. I'm trying to, we didn't talk about it last time, did we? No, it's, um, yeah, we're talking about it. Inter- I was talking about it to people internally, not <laughs> externally. So there you go. But Jakob did a great uh, plugin into Visual Studio and it hooks in really well to hook in a thing called um, Git Flow. So Git Flow is kind of like, uh, you know, like my work in TFVC. Mm-hmm. Well, imagine that, but applied to Git. And that's kind of Git flow kind of thing. You know, it's kind of feature branches and how you move stuff between them. But Git flow is actually a set of commands as well that you can install. And anyway, kind of you have conventions for what your feature branches are called and what your release branches and, and all that sort of stuff. And it just helps you work with those and, and work with them inside of Visual Studio. So um, no, it's, some, it's some pretty good stuff. Um, and a really good plugin that we were, you know, very impressed with over in the team. So, um, but the uh, the coding you did, uh, the coding for fun <laughs> yeah. guys did actually did a, a post all about this. Yeah, every Monday I try to do some sort of, I've been doing this for like about a year now. For every Monday on the Coding for Fun blog, I do some sort of Visual Studio extension, especially if that extension is open source. So you can not only play with the extension, use our favorite development tool, but actually see the source behind it and get for whatever reason, I'm not really sure why I've been focusing on Git a lot, but um, on uh, February 16th, I highlighted Git Flow for Visual Studio and talked about it. And, you know, yeah, it was like, I I talk about this in the post and you guys can read this all, but, you know, I'm always worried about doing it right. You know, you want to do it quote unquote right. And since I'm a newbie to Git, I wasn't really sure how to do it right. And of course, your right and my right may be different rights, um, but at least it's one right. And, mm-hmm. you know, I had not heard about or seen GitFlow until I uh, wrote this post up. And I, it's kind of neat. I, I, just looking at it, and not only do you get the stuff, and not only do you get the extension and all the capabilities of it, but you get the source for it, too. Yeah. It's just crazy, isn't it? Yeah. It's, just, it's, it's like we've gone from, you know, it was almost easier to learn when there was no information. <laughs> Because you, you know, you open up, you, you think, oh, that's interesting. You open up ReSharper and you kind of follow it through. And there was an, there was enough information like so hard to reach that kind of, you know, you could only find it in dribs and drabs, and that was okay. But man, now it's, uh, it's crazy. It's just everything's just there. It's yeah. brilliant, yeah. but it's like it can be quite overwhelming at times as well. It's, just, I just love it. And that's why whole this- new world. Yeah, that's why this uh, this extension is so important. Is that yeah, the Git flow was introduced a while ago, but back in 2010. But again, it was documentation. It was you know diagrams. Well, and it's not it it's was, not built into the uh, UI either. You know what I mean? It's it, just it's a it's command line. Stuff. Exactly, it didn't help you fall into that pit of success where this extension mm-hmm. does that. Yeah. 
No, it's all good. I'm just looking at the top open source projects from Microsoft today just to see where we're at <laughs> with things. And it is, uh, obviously, the core CLR is incredibly active and incredibly hot still. And then Rosalind TypeScript and WinJS. And uh, then Visual F Sharp followed by Touch Develop. So, you know, it's um, it's good. But then we have things like, I love this, because you get things like over in the, um, the .NET Foundation, they have a code formatter project. Mm-hmm. And it's... Um, it's just a project that uses um, Roslyn to uh, rewrite, you know, to, to rewrite the source code and make it look nice. And it's just little things like that. And you just think, oh, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so, and there's all the source code for it there as well. It's just, it's just crazy. Yeah, there's, a, yeah, an abundance of riches. I've got a, um, a student coming in, you know, a sort of work experience student coming in for a week. Uh-huh. Uh, probably next time we do a recording, looking at my calendar. And um, so I'm, I'm you know, I'm trying to think to, you know, what I'm going to get them to do and work on and stuff. And I'm like, wow, there's so much stuff out there nowadays for students, like learning how things work. It's this abundance. It's what a what a very exciting time to be getting into IT. Wow. Hey, well, we better wrap up the show. We've been going on a while. So, um, you know, thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening. And thank you, Greg, for, for talking with me. It's always a, been a pleasure as always. Absolutely. And if you guys have any comments about my venting or anything else, please send us an email at radiotfs at outlook.com or even a voicemail. If you want to verbally rant at me, 1-425-233-8379. Give us a message and let us know what you think. Great. And we'll speak to you next time on Radio TFS.